Welcome everyone to tonight's E&E training. This is week five in our seven week series, this fall series of how to. So tonight we are focusing on how to defend your faith. And our special guest for tonight is Daisy Maxi. She has been on the E&E training several times over the last year. So if you're a regular, then you will recognize Daisy and definitely be happy that she is back with us tonight. My name is Ali Carr, and I'm the Director of Special Projects at International Commission. I have served at IC for almost three years now, and I'm the host for our e, &E trainings. I also help with marketing and other events, fundraise, fundraisers, training. So if you go to our website, you'll see a lot of other training videos and resources that I've helped um, with the team put together. But if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about our e, &E trainings, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at allison.com car at ic-world.org. If you are new to International Commission, or if this is your um, first introduction to us, first time on an e, e training, this is our mission. Our mission is equipping and enabling believers worldwide to conduct church-based evangelism projects so that we can reach on believers and make disciples. So the E and E in E and E training come from those first two words in our mission statement, equipping and enabling believers. So everything we do in the trainings is filtered around this mission of equipping and enabling believers to share the gospel and make disciples, like it says in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. So aside from our E and E training, International Commission produces a few other resources that I just want to make you aware of that might benefit um, you, your church, your small group. In addition to our e, &E training, which you can find on Vimeo, any of the past trainings, you go to vimeo.com and the whole list of them is there if you type in International Commission. Um, we also have the E&E &E show. And the e, e show is a little bit different from our trainings. The E&E &E show is located on YouTube, and we actually do more of an interview style Q&A with different guests on different topics. It's about 45 minutes long, um, but if you're interested in checking out any of those shows, again, head to YouTube and type in International Commission. We also have an evangelism toolkit. It's called our storytelling with purpose because when we share our testimony and when we share the gospel, we are really telling a story that is the most important story of our lives and we have a purpose in sharing that. So that's why we named it that, but it's a free download on our website. You go to internationalcommission.org, click on resources, and you'll see that evangelism toolkit right there. Um, we have PDF guides, videos, explanations of just different ways to share the gospel, different ways to share your personal testimony testimony. So if you want to grow in sharing your faith, but just don't really know how to transition a simple conversation into a spiritual conversation, the Evangelism Toolkit has a lot of great resources to help you. And finally, we have a book available, and that book you can purchase on Amazon. It's less than $10. It's called Global God, A Journey with God on the Great Commission. It includes stories of um, former trip participants with International Commission from around the world, just sharing stories of how they saw God work all around the world and just really miraculous things that they've seen. So if you love a good story, make sure to check out Global God on Amazon. So before we jump right into our training, we ask three questions and we want you to know the answer to these three questions. Mm -hmm. So first is simply, what is the gospel? 
The gospel or gospel means good news. And the good news is found in John 3, 16. And that is that God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to come down from earth and die for us. And anyone that believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And this free gift is available to all people anyone, anytime, wherever you live. Um, so that is what we are here as believers to do. It, it is to proclaim that good news and invite people to have a relationship with Christ. So if that is the gospel, what is our role? I kind of just mentioned it, but um, the Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Um, Jesus told his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So our role is to share the gospel and make disciples and teaching people to obey everything that Christ has commanded. So if we are in Christ, that is what we are called to do um, from the moment we get saved until the day that we die. That is our mission. And that is our, our lifelong goal to make his name known to every tribe, tongue, and nation. And finally, how should we share this good news? In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have and to do this with gentleness and respect. So those are the key words here, gentleness and respect. We are not out here to win an argument. Um, we we want to be prepared to give an answer, but we want to do it with gentleness and respect and in, in a loving manner, because if someone does not know Christ, then as the Bible says, they're blinded. And so we want to um, share the good news. And, and as Daisy's going to teach us tonight, how to defend our faith using um, history and, and literature. And she's going to share more with you about that tonight, but we want to do this with gentleness and respect. So for those of you who do not know Daisy Maxey, she is a mobilization strategist with International Commission. She lives in Mountain City, Tennessee, and she has been on the staff with the International Commission since 2010 and serves as um, our mobilization strategist as well as our IC Encounter Prayer Coordinator. So Daisy leads a team of um, individuals from around the nation, maybe even around the globe, who are specifically dedicated to praying for the um, for International Commission, as well as trip participants when they go overseas, our staff. So if you have a heart for prayer and you are interested in joining this power force of prayer, um, prayer warriors, then contact Daisy and she would love to have you join her team. Her first missions trip was in 2006, and since 2006, she has been on 16 foreign mission trips, including Italy, Armenia, Thailand, Myanmar, and Cambodia. And Daisy has been married to the same guy, Roger, for 45 years this year. And together they have five grown children and seven grandchildren. And a fun fact about Daisy is she has a lake house and she loves kayaking with her chocolate lab. Now that sounds like a really good day off to me. I love dogs. I also love the water. So that just sounds fabulous living on the lake and just kayaking with your dog. Um, but thank you, Daisy, so much for being on here with us tonight. And we would love to now hear from you on how to to defend our faith. Thank you, Allie. I'm really excited to be here. This is one of my very favorite topics. 
And I'd like to start by telling you up front that this is a, a deep subject. It's somewhat sobering, um, but it's also very exciting and very challenging. So I hope that you will leave tonight feeling uh, a new sense of purpose when it comes to apologetics and how you can apply it not only to your own efforts to share your faith, but also pour it into the lives of others. I want to start. Um, by kind of explaining that there are going to be two layers of apologetics that we're going to look at tonight. Layer one is really to answer the question, how important is apologetics when it comes to sharing our own faith? And layer two is really how vital is apologetics in discipling a strong future generation of believers? So that's kind of the approach that we're going to take. Okay, apologetics comes from the word apologia, and it really means to speak away, or in our context tonight, to speak away accusations. In other words, it means to give a logical, reasonable defense to one's position. Now, in this first phase, um, I want you to look at the, the, the verse that we've already considered tonight. Ali's on, already, excuse me, gone over it. 1 Peter 3.15, but I just want you to look at the very first part of this verse before it gets to giving the defense, giving a reasonable explanation for the hope that is in you and using meekness and fear. The very first phrase simply says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. So our layer one is that we have to be able to choose faith and set apart our hearts for God's purposes or else we're not going to be ready to give a defense and we won't be able to get beyond, hey, what does it look like to share my faith? So first we set, we sanctify, we set apart, and I love the explanation, render legitimate. We render legitimate our faith and then we're ready to give a defense. Now I wanna ask you a couple of questions. They're easy. You've already heard the answers tonight. You can go ahead, Allie. The first question is, what's the most important message in the, in the Bible? Oops, I said it. Sorry, I gave it away. I think we would all agree it's the message of salvation. It's the Jesus story. It's redemption. That's the most important message. What is God's plan for sharing the message? That's another one we talk about on every training the Great Commission, right? We are to be involved in sharing the message. Now, the third question is a little more personal. What must we have to be willing to share the gospel? Well, first, we have to have a saving relationship with Jesus, a testimony. We have to know him. We have to have a changed life, a changed heart, a refocus. The second part, we need to have the confidence that the gospel is actually true and real and relevant. Do you think that you would go across the street or around the world to share a message that you really weren't convinced was accurate? I don't think you would. Thus, we come to apologetics. Now, our layer two is really about apologetics and future generations. We know that it's very important in sharing our faith and evangelism, 
but I want you to consider this quote by Ken Ham. If the church does not raise up generations to believe God's word, and if the church doesn't equip generations with answers to the secular attacks on God's word, and if the church doesn't stop compromising God's word, then we will lose the coming generations and we'll lose the culture. This was the message that he began to share in apologetics conferences around the world back as far as 1975. How many of you feel like you can see uh, kind of where he's coming from? Does it make sense to you? It's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? Okay. So the Christian faith really rests on the person and the work of Jesus Christ and on the word of God, the Bible. What we believe, what we teach about the word of God is really critical. Let's look at how this works. Now this picture shows us some of the trends in the American church. These are things that you will see in uh, various resources, books, magazines, articles, and maybe you've even heard them talked about in your churches. In the last 30 to 50 years, we're talking about the US, but it could also be said of other places in the world, there's been an alarming decrease in church attendance among young adults. There's also been a drastic increase in those who claim no religion or atheism. And a side note on that, there's really no such thing as no, no religion. I know that you guys know this, but there's no religious neutral. Those who are without, without Christ are without Christ, and those who are believers, there's just no middle ground. There's no gray area. So when you claim to have no religion, it puts you at enmity with believers. So I'd like to, you to think about this cause and effect statement that I have up here and see if maybe you would agree that apologetics is a vital missing piece in our church culture today. I believe that we are seeing a generation who increasingly do not know what they believe or why. Their basic questions have gone unanswered. They have never been taught to defend their faith. They have lost confidence in the authority of God's word. Their doubts are not addressed. And because of these things, they simply lose interest and part ways with the Christian faith. I believe this is maybe a little oversimplified for the trends in the American church, but a great explanation for what may be going on behind the scenes. On a personal note, I have a 19-year-old granddaughter who told me this summer that she no longer believed in God. And I saw her go from growing up in the church until she was 13, baptized on her own, went to a very liberal high school, dropped out of church, dropped out of youth group, went to very liberal college. And I just, I can see this happening in her life. I really believe that's, that it's happened and I've witnessed it. Okay, so now we're gonna go to a little interactive moment. Um, usually we do a breakout session, but tonight we're going to do this a little bit different. What I'd like you to do is think about what I call the basic questions that everybody asks. 
this is something that whether you're a believer or not, whether you grow up in the church or not, whether you're an American or somebody from a foreign country, these are questions that human beings ask, and particularly when you have some exposure to the Christian faith. So I want your ideas. There's no right or wrong. We're going to take whatever you give us. I want you to take a moment and see if you can put at least one question in the chat. I'll give you an example so that you kind of know what we're looking for. Why should I believe the Bible? How do I know that it's true? So go ahead, click on the chat and write down a question that you think maybe a question you had when you were younger or maybe a question that someone has come to you with or a question that you just know goes through people's minds as they discover uh, making faith their own and really taking ownership of it. And we're just gonna give you a minute to do this. Okay, I'm seeing some really great, great questions. I'm gonna go ahead and read these and then we're going to go on and talk about them. As you think of them, just go ahead and, and put your questions in here. Okay, I see one that says, uh, do you have any facts or reasons as to why the classic increase in, the drastic increase in atheists and non-religious in our generation? The next question is, how could a loving God allow bad things to happen to good people? How do you know the Bible is true? Why is Jesus the only way? Why does Jesus have to be the only way to salvation? How can I trust the Bible as truth? How could a loving God allow anyone to go to hell? Why does our gold standard, our gold stand, our good standard, sorry, have to be compared to God who is perfect and we can never reach perfection? Can't I be good compared to my friends or others that's a good one too i've never shot anyone uh, next question all of the bloodshed in the old testament doesn't sound like a loving god why would we believe he loves us great questions guys wow um there's one more here do our loved ones in heaven see us or know what we are and what is going on here in our lives? Do they know if Christianity is right? Can Jesus forgive all of my sin? There are many religions in the world. How do we know that Christianity is right? How is Christianity any different than the rest? All right, excellent, great, great job. And I think that you would agree that most people in their human experience are going to ask these questions. How do we answer a lot of these questions? How do we answer them in the churches? How do we answer them in our own hearts and in our own families? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. I know some of you may have um, attended the training on answering tough questions. And um, there are certainly some really tough questions out there. But I'm hoping I'll give you some, um, some great optimistic, powerful uh, strategies on how to address these questions. I believe the questions fall into two categories. The first category is really the questions that are answered in the Bible. For example, what's wrong with gay and lesbian marriage? 
there are questions that God answers clearly in his word. But then there's another set of questions which are more about the Bible or about God himself or Jesus. Is it true? Is it relevant? Is it reliable? These are the questions that apologetics answers. And I'd like to share a quote that my grandson uh, shared with me. He's a, in the sixth grade in a public school system and his social studies teacher uh, told them when they began to study um, Darwin's theory of evolution, he said, I am not trying to change what you believe. I am simply teaching you the factual matter. And he wrote that down because that really uh, kind of didn't sit well with him. So that's just an example of the secular world. And we know that the secular world is going to attack all of the things that we uh, believe, our faith, and that we have to be prepared for that. The way that our questions are answered, the questions are there. The answers that we find are gonna establish our worldview. So if you look at this chart, you'll see that there are really only two basic worldviews. One is your worldviews based on man's word. It could change every week, depending on who you read about, who you hear about, who you're excited about, who's on social media, um, who's got the best blog site or whatever. But that's going to determine your thoughts on sexuality, gender, marriage, sanctity of life, abortion, race. All of those things are determined by your worldview. And of course, the, um, the opposite worldview is going to be, it's more opposing than opposite based on God's word. And this would be the things that are directly taught in scripture. Believe it or not, they're all answered in the Bible. They're all clearly outlined in God's word. All of these topics that there is so much conflict over in our culture. And it wasn't until just recently that my mind kind of changed on this topic. I've always loved apologetics, but I didn't understand the connection between apologetics and the conflict that we are seeing right now in our culture, just right here in our own hometowns and in our own nation. Chaos and conflict in our culture are a direct result of these two conflicting foundations in worldview. So you've got, um, you've got a, a conflict that's going on and we may not be able to completely resolve it, but we can certainly play a major role in, uh, in passing on good information, beginning with what we believe. So what we can do is learn to defend our faith and then to teach others to do the same. I'm gonna go over about six or seven categories that I really love. Um, they're all good, but I just picked a few favorites. And, I'm only giving you little snippets because I want you to look at this as a taste of something good. And I want you to realize that there's no way you're going to be able to master or learn or regurgitate all this information. And you don't need to. You don't need to know all this. But what you do need to do is learn what questions you have, learn to answer them in your own heart, and then you'll be qualified to share things with others. So I want to talk just a minute about um, Bible facts. One of, one of my favorites, 
If you think about just the unusual nature of the Word of God, 66 books, 40 authors, three original languages written over the course of 1,500 years, and yet harmony. And what's interesting is that the more you read, if the Bible were not true, I think the more you read, you would discover that it just didn't make sense. But the more you read, the more the harmony becomes evident. That is a strong evidence in favor of the word of God being inerrant and infallible, reliable and relevant. History and archaeology is another one that's so interesting. I wish that we had time to just rattle off a whole bunch of things that I've learned over the last few years. I started on this journey when my kids were in middle school because I wanted them to have ammunition when their faith was attacked. And I ended up being the benefactor because I'm the one who got to learn all the cool stuff. Archaeology, there are over 25,000 individual sites or artifacts that confirm Bible narrative. They could be people or places or even cultural practices. A small example would be the coin that Jesus mentions in Mark 12, 17, when he says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And there are coins now in museums that were made during this time period that actually bear the inscription of Tiberius Caesar. So that's just a, a little tiny snippet. There are many books of history that confirm Bible narrative. And I uh, put a quote on here that I thought was really interesting, which came from the National Geographic Society in Washington. I referred your inquiries to our staffed archaeologist, Dr. George Stewart. He said that archaeologists indeed find the Bible a valuable reference tool and use it many times for geographical related names and relative chronologies. On the enclosed list, you'll find many articles concerning, um, I can't read the last word, I'm sorry, I cut, it's cut off, verifying events discussed in the Bible, National Geographic. This is something that Joshua McDowell would call positive evidence from a hostile source. And it's, a, it's very powerful when you've got a neutral or a hostile source that actually ends up saying something which confirms Bible truth. So I thought that was very significant. It's fun if you have the time to pick up a, um, some snippets from an old history book that was written during ancient times and see how many events you recognize from Bible history. It's quite amazing. The next one is prophecy. And this is uh, another one of my favorites. Prophecy is actually pre-written history. Did you know that 27% of the Bible was prophetic at the time when it was written? That's amazing because now we lose track of that because all these years later, many of the prophecies have already been fulfilled. There were actually over 2,000 individual prophecies, 300 just on the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And all of them up to the present time have been fulfilled with perfect accuracy. Now, if you go in uh, December to the grocery store and you pick up a one of those tabloid magazines, it'll have predictions for the coming year. And in our culture, it is considered 
fairly reliable. In fact, you're going to get a lot of notoriety as a modern day prophet if your accuracy is 60%. So just think about that. That's barely over half. The Bible prophecies and fulfilled prophecies are incredibly powerful. So don't lose sight of this. And don't hesitate to point this out to people who maybe have never even heard this or never thought about it before. Eyewitnesses and time intervals. This is my favorite. This to me is the strongest evidence. This is the one that you should carry in your back pocket at all times to give you confidence. The entire New Testament was written either by eyewitnesses or authors who interviewed eyewitnesses. And the length of time between the writing and the actual event is very, very short in the Gospels, especially. Matthew is written only 17 years after the events that it described, and Mark was written only seven years. Now, I want you to think about this. Supposing you go to a high school reunion and you start telling stories and they're, they're not accurate, they're not true. Do you think anyone's gonna call you on it? Yes, because you're in the midst of your peers who were there when the events took place. So this is something to consider. All of these things that were written in the gospels, the audience contained many, many people, the hearers who witnessed the events or who knew people who had witnessed the events. This is very powerful evidence as well. The next one we just wanna to touch on is manuscripts. This is one that our pastor preached on not long ago. And I, to me, it was jaw dropping because I never had thought about this. There are thousands more copies of the original New Testament manuscripts than any other ancient writings. 24,000 copies of the original manuscripts. The internal consistency of the New Testament documents is approximately 99% five textually pure. There are only 40 lines that are in question. That means 40 lines where they really could not determine what the writing said. The others were all translatable and readable. That's, just, that's amazing. And then changed lives and changed history. You ever think about the original disciples? How did they end up, you know, living and dying? It's pretty incredible to me. I don't know anyone who would voluntarily die a martyr's death for something which they weren't absolutely convinced was true. And if you just stop and think about how the life of Christ, the followers of Christ, and the events of Christian history have changed the course of lives and kingdoms and nations, it is undeniably powerful. Yeah, and I guess I put this little note in here about the ages of church history, um, an estimated 70 million people have been martyred for their faith and more in recent times than all of the previous centuries put together. So the faith, the word of God, the son of God, the spirit of God continues to change lives powerfully. And this speaks volumes about your own testimony too. 
when you share your faith and you're speaking from personal experience, it is one of the most powerful things that you can ever say because it can't really, no one can dispute it. It's your evidence. Then I wanna just mention a couple of the special categories that are so um, interesting. Creation and resurrection. I think you'd all agree that without the resurrection, our faith would be meaningless and we would have nothing to hope, nothing to stand for, nothing to believe in. The same with the creation. My eyes were really open this summer when I um, went to the creation museum. I expected it to be cool, but I didn't expect it to be quite such a powerful experience. I had attended several seminars on creation when I was young, when my kids were starting middle school. And it was interesting because I learned things at that time that have stayed with me all this time. I've never forgotten them. One was that when you go into a natural history museum, you see this picture of the ape who gradually uh, stands upright and then eventually you see the man. And in your mind, you've got that transition of ape to man, or you'll have a fish to an amphibian and then to a mammal, or you'll have those pictures. And yet the transitional, there are no transitional fossils really to support them. There are very few of them and nothing conclusive as ever found. Whereas if this were the way that human life actually did develop, there would be millions and millions and millions of half fish, half amphibian animals, because it would have taken that long to accomplish it. That was very impressive to me. The other one that I thought was impressive was that the first time grass was found in the fossil record, there were 117 individual species, all in the same rock layer. Now a rock layer can be laid down in a very short amount of time. It doesn't have to be a lengthy thing, but that's very good evidence that when God said, let there be living things and plants and grasses, and he made them, he actually made them. He made them all at once. That's just uh, incredible. There's so many like this. I'm just picking out just a few highlights to whet your appetite. I wish, I, I wish we could just dive in and look at all of it, but we can't. The resurrection is another one that is so important to us personally and to our ministry to the world. An open-minded person will find impressive historical evidence consistent with resurrection, including the reality of Christ's life, Jesus' life, the finality of Jesus' execution, the unaccountability of Jesus' body, and the inexplicability of Jesus' followers' transformation was spoken by uh, Dr. Jeff Harden, who is the chair of the zoology department at the University of Wisconsin. There are so many good evidences for the resurrection. Most of you have heard of Josh McDowell, who originally wrote evidence that demands a verdict. He uh, had a legal background and decided that if he could dispute or dispel the theory of the resurrection, then he could walk away from the Christian faith and never look back. Of course, he was radically changed. And now he is still very actively involved in apologetics. And his son, Sean, has a, a great set of resources as well. So 
those are some things about creation and about the resurrection. Now, what I want to do is kind of begin to wrap things up. And I want to think about, you know, remind you that we're not ever going to be able to grasp all of these things. We're not going to be able to answer all the questions people have. Um, but there are three things that we can do. So I want you to focus on what we can do. First of all, I want you to really honestly consider what are your stumbling blocks? Maybe you've got this all worked out and you know you have no doubts or no questions ever, but you're gonna run across people every single day who do. So first of all, make sure that your questions about Bible accuracy, creation, prophecy, et cetera, get the answers that you need so that you don't have those doubts. You're absolutely convinced. You're absolutely sure. You can speak with confidence. And then take the time to ask or inquire or research about those things so that you really know for sure. The second thing you can do is start building a strong defense to answer these basic questions. Now, I'm not talking about the ones about where will I go when I die. Those are the ones that the Bible answers. That's a separate project. I want you to think about the ones that can be answered with apologetics. Is the Bible true? Can I believe it? What about science? What about creation? All these kinds of things. Begin to build a strong defense. Keep a journal. Keep notes. Write down your insights as well as the resources that you find, the references that you discover, and then ask God to give you opportunities to share and train and encourage the next generation. I believe that it's critical that the church step up and that we as individuals step up and begin to train the younger generations to defend their faith because the attacks from the secular world are getting greater and stronger and more wickedly devised than they ever have been in generations past. And we want to see survivors and we need to make an investment in order to help that happen. Got a couple pages of resources for you. First of all, some of my favorite books, there are so many, um, but I just wrote down a few. Uh, Evidence that Demands a Verdict, one of my all-time favorites. It's been rewritten now, it's brand new, and uh, Josh and Sean McDowell wrote it together. Mere Christianity, an old, old book, but just fabulous. The Reason for God, Tim Keller's another good one. Christian Apologetics, Comprehensive Case for Biblical Faith, um, How Not to Be Secular, More Than a Carpenter, um, any of the writings of Lee Strobel. Um, those are all great books. And there's another one, too, that I discovered recently, the writings of Ken Ham. He is a, an, another apologetic scientist, and he's just a, a great author. And he writes a lot of very diverse things that I think you'd find interesting. And then there's some websites too that I wrote down. Allie's gonna be sending these out when we um, when she sends a follow-up email tomorrow. She'll send this page with the websites and the page with the resources. So you don't need to write any of them down. She will be sending those out so that you can use them. I wanna just mention a couple of the websites. You know, you can Google anything these days and find things, but be careful who you listen to. Um, always check if you find a website, you should always go to the who we are page, what we believe and look at their mission statement, because they will tell you right there how they view the word of God. 
And if it is not a rock solid answer, then they have nothing to say that you need to hear. We need to base our thinking, our worldview, our teaching, our training, everything on the word of God. And so if you don't see that in their identification, then just don't waste your time because it will be a waste of time. You'll be reading opinions that are just someone else's opinions and you'll be on that same treadmill. Um, I heard a, a quote by Sean McDowell that I wanted to share with you. He just did a apologetics training when I was in Armenia. I was very sad to miss it because he was in Boone, North Carolina, which is pretty amazing. But he said, you know, guys, he said this to a group of college students. One of my favorite answers when people ask me, how can you believe the Christian faith? You buy all that garbage, you know, when he, when he has asked that question, he says, in all of my searching, I have never found any other explanation for day-to-day -day life that makes any more sense than the Christian faith. That's his answer. Isn't that a fabulous answer? See, it's not complicated. It's not technical. You don't have to be a master of anything to say something like that. But it sure is compelling. It gets people's attention because we have the courage to say, not only do I believe my faith, but my faith makes good sense. Being able to say that is a very powerful thing. There's a few others on here. Um, App Reasons is another one of my favorites because it's actually created and maintained by my church. It's um, for college professors that maintain that. And most of these are set up by topic. So you can look at resurrection, you can look at creation, you can look at any aspect of apologetics that interests you, and you can find the resources accordingly. The ICR, Institute for Creation, Creation Research, has been around a very long time. Excellent things, and they're always coming up with new information. Answers in Genesis, another one that I love. Their whole premise is that everything taught in the word of God is introduced in Genesis and concluded in Revelation. And that churches nowadays tend to spend way too much time on Revelation. How excited we get when the pastor says, hey, we're going to do Revelation. Everyone's, wow, I can't wait. What about when they say, hey, we're going we're gonna to study Genesis. And it's going to take us about six months. People are like, oh, that's Old Testament stuff. That's boring. That's hard. But Genesis is the foundation for our worldview. This is where it all comes from. And so this one is a very, very powerful one as well, and really worth thinking about. Josh.org, of course, is Josh McDowell. And then a new one that I like is CARM, Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry. So with that being said, um, I think we're going to have just a few minutes for questions and answers. I'd love to hear your feedback, um, anything at all that, that I can assist with or answer, or show you maybe where to look, I would, I would love to. And if there's no questions, we'll turn it back over to Allie. Yes, Daisy, if I may, if you could just recommend one website and one book from your list, just for starters, maybe it's your personal favorite or a good one for someone who is just getting into apologetics, what would your recommendation be? The first one on the list, that'd be the first one I would read, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, because it's easy to read. 
and it is mainly about the resurrection, but that's the big, that's the big one, guys. So if that's the one that you're going to read, I would say yes. Um, mm -hmm. That would be my first recommendation. And as far as a website, wow. I would say um, probably from what I've looked at recently, um, I think I'd go to the app resources, the one that my church maintains. I really like it because of the format. It's by topic and it's very easy to find things. It's very readable and it's just grassroots. That's appreasons.org. And then from there, depending on your level of interest, you can spend time in other places. Okay, thank you. I mean, they're all excellent. It's hard to choose just one because each one offers different information. In fact, I was on Sean McDowell's website earlier today and I was already getting sucked in with some of the stuff that I was <laughs> looking at. I mean, it's, it's all just so interesting. And like you said, you just barely scratched the surface of of everything to defend our faith. I loved everything that you shared. I hope you guys were taking notes. I definitely was myself um, because there is evidence out there. It's just knowing yourself what that is. And like you suggested, um, writing it down, digging a little bit deeper um, and asking yourself what questions do you personally struggle with that maybe you need to find out for yourself first before you can share it with other people. So thank you, Daisy. Thank you for um, just your passion in this area. I know you have years and years of research and experience and you even teach on this topic. So I know a few people or not a few, um, several people put some questions in the chat. Daisy, are, are, is there one or two questions that you that you saw that you just wanted tackle since we're in here I was just looking to see if there was let's see anything that was particularly apologetics related yeah I'll tell you what I'll close with I think Barry Morton's on here tonight and I think he is so what I'd like to, to share is, is a little story that happened the first time that I was on a mission project with Barry, we were in Cambodia and it was that very first day. And you guys know from first project, you're out there and you're getting ready to share. You've prepared and you're nervous. You're thinking, what am I going to say? And are they going to listen to me? And do I know enough? And, you know, those things go through your mind. And I was the team leader and Barry was headed out and he said to me, I don't know if they're going to believe me. I don't know if they're going to listen to me. And so I quickly took a little note card and I jotted down five things that came to mind that were apologetics related. And they had to do with the Bible and, you know, the, the harmony in the Bible and the books and the languages over time and a couple of little things. I jotted them down and I handed them to him and had said, Barry, this is, this is, this is what you believe. This is solid. This is good. Take it. And it was just enough to give him just that little bit of boost of confidence. Now, did he show that to anyone else? Did he regurgitate those things? No, but it changed his heart. It gave him a sense of, okay, I can do this. I know where I'm coming from. So that's step one. That's the most important thing is to get your own questions answered and gain confidence. And when you share from a position of confidence, not arrogance, confidence, People notice that. They notice that. And they will be drawn in by that confidence. Mm 
Excellent. Very well said. Thank you, Daisy. Um, thank you for sharing with us tonight. If you have any questions that come to mind after you get off the training, um, feel free to email Daisy. She is happy to answer any questions you have or point you in the direction of where you can find those answers. You can see her email right there. But thank you again, Daisy. Just absolutely excellent. And just thank you for doing your own research and sharing that with us tonight. We have our next e, e training in actually three weeks. So we have Thanksgiving next week and then two weeks after Thanksgiving. Um, our next in the series is how to share Christ at work. So whatever your job may be, um, if you want to grow in confidence to either um, run a business with Christian ethics and morals or how to share the gospel with your coworkers, how to kind of bridge those conversations and relationships, then you don't want to miss this training on December 9th, how to share Christ at work with um, one of International Commission's partners, Mike Williams. So we would love to see you back here in three more weeks um, after a little bit of a break for Thanksgiving. But you have now been equipped and enabled to defend your faith. Again, I'm your host, Ali Carr, and we had Daisy Maxey on here with us this evening. So before we close, let me just say a word of prayer. Jesus, thank you for another day of life and the opportunity to grow in our faith and learn how to defend it um, using historical evidence and research and creation. And um, it's just encouraging to know that there are so many resources out there and so many people that are smarter than us that have gone before us to um, do the digging quite literally sometimes in um, defending the scriptures and the historical accuracy of the Bible. We love you, God. Um, and I just pray that you would burden our hearts for a desire to defend our faith um, in a in a gentle and respectful way. Um, and just thank you for Daisy and her knowledge and for bringing her to us to share with us this evening. And we thank you, Jesus, and pray these things in your name. Amen.